Hello and welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. Thank you for joining us once again. We have a very special guest here tonight. Local Catskills running legend Mike Sudi has joined us here in the Pain Cave tonight to discuss his recent exploits, which have gained him some notoriety, not just locally, but across the country. Uh, we're very psyched to have Mike here. Before we get started, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for leaving some reviews recently. It's been great to see. We uh, love having some feedback. For those of you who are just finding us now, welcome. You can always follow us online at The Pain Cave on Facebook, at Gunks Runner on Twitter and Instagram. Please check out the website, gunksrunner.com slash paincave. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review, shoot us a comment, get in touch with us, ideas for the show, questions, things we can do better. It's always good to hear from you guys. So thank you so much. Tonight, as I said, we have Mike Sudi here. Mike is a local Catskills legend. He is an accomplished ultra runner, a race director, and we are having him on tonight to talk about one of the, what I think is going to be one of the real contenders for the fastest known time of the year when voting comes up at the end of 2018. Mike Sudi, welcome to the Pink Cave. Hey, thanks, Jay. It is great to have you here. Uh, before nice we get Thank started, you. you were kind enough to bring over some beer, crack something open, yes, tell sir. the people what we're drinking. All right, so we got a can of uh, Industrial Arts, state-of-the-art Northeast IPA. These guys are just down uh, a little bit south of us by uh, by Bear Mountain. I've actually been to the brewery. It's uh, What town is it in? Because I've been drinking oh, their stuff geez, for a while, but I haven't been down to the brewery yet. I forget the name of it. They're right off the river there. Um, probably is on the can. I probably could read it, huh? Yeah, <laughs> most likely. Hey, you picked the you picked the glass with a spider in it, so you get that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got the cat's tail glass, so there Excellent. you go. Let's see, where are these guys from? It says it on here somewhere. I don't who cares. Whatever. All right. <laughs> Thank you very Cheers. much. Cheers. All right. Oh, that's delicious. That's very good. Okay, get right up to that mic. Yes, sir. Mike, and let's talk. So, Mike. Let's talk a little bit about your background and let people know kind of where you're coming from before we get into the details of what went down last month, earlier this month, last uh, month, May, I yes. guess. Yeah, at the very end of May, which we alluded to on, if you guys want to go back and listen to the most recent episode of this month, month in ultra running with Phil Vondra, we talked a little bit about it, but we're going to go get the blow by blow now. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about where you're coming from. You have... Not the most traditional running background or the way you got into the sport. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you came to be involved in some of this crazy stuff that we do. Yeah, so um, I guess my first hiking was sort of in the early 90s um, when I was in college up in Plattsburgh. I did a little bit of hiking in the Adirondacks. Nothing too serious. Um, came down to New Paltz to finish up school. Hiked a few times in the Catskills, but didn't really think much of it. Um, and somewhere in the mid-2000s, I had been rock climbing for a few years, and I was looking for something else to do in the wintertime when climbing season was kind of bad around here. And when and you say you'd been rock climbing, you this was not just like a you know once-in-a-while kind of thing for you. You were one of the more accomplished East Coast rock climbers, at least in our region. At least locally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was. I got completely hooked on it. It was the first... Uh, I You know, I tried team sports in, in high school. Mm -hmm. and I, was, I was terrible at everything I tried. <laughs> I just had no... No team sport ability, and I, I finally found, you know, a couple of individual 
things that I was I could progress at. Right. Um, and rock climbing was really the first one to to hook me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would spend you know five six days a week or or sometimes you know every single day climbing inside in the gym or outside. Right. Um, and I tried ice climbing in the winter and I didn't really take to it. I, I don't really have very good circulation in my hands. So it, it got kind of miserable. Yeah. I've heard that like when, when you talk to climbers in town and you talk about ice climbing, they always talk about it with like a little bit of dread, right? Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's, they love it and everything else, but it's uncomfortable. Your hands are always uncomfortable and it's always just like something you can tolerate for a little yeah. while. And then it's like, that's about it's it. It's better for bigger people that have just a little more insulation. I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not like a skinny guy, but I'm also not very big, not a big guy for so, sure. Yeah, I'd get, get a little chilly. So anyway, I picked up a pair of snowshoes and I just started kind of doing, you know, doing some snowshoeing in the winter, doing some hiking. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I've, I guess I've done maybe a dozen or so of the Catskill Peaks. Uh, why don't I try and do all 35? Why not? You know, it seems like 35, well, that's a, that's a lot of peaks. You know, I don't know <laughs> when I'm going to get to do that. And so I, I kind of picked away at it for a couple of years and I, I found myself, um, you know, finishing the 35 and joining the Catskill 3500 club and right um since i had done probably more than half of them in winter the next logical step was to become a winter 35 or sure. so i repeated all the ones that i had only done in summer i did those in winter right. and then uh around the same time i started um organizing and directing a, a hiking club at the high school that i work at and i did that for a couple of years and i was now getting paid a little bit to take kids out into the mountains to tick peaks off my list, <laughs> which worked out pretty nice for me for, uh, for a couple of years. Um, and let's see, from there, I went to the Adirondacks. There was a uh, guy, Felix Madonio that I was doing some hiking with, mm-hmm. uh, for a number of years. And, uh, he had a mission to do all 46 in the winter in one season in the Adirondacks. In the Adirondacks. Yep. And, uh, so I joined him for most of those. I think I ended up doing like 41 out of the 46 in a, in a single winter. Sure. You went back and finished them all at some point. I did. Yeah. yeah I, I'd hurt, I'd hurt my knee, um, okay. sort of toward the end of the winter. So that prevented me from doing all 46. Right. But, um, you know, it just kind of started this, uh, this kind of the steamroll of, uh, of hiking more and climbing less and hiking more in the spring and fall and, then uh, one day uh, Felix said to me, "You know, you should run." And I said, "I don't run, ever, <laughs> ever run. I don't, I don't like running." Um, at this point, I was in my early 30s, right? And uh, he was at me for a couple years to to start running, and I didn't even know that trail running was a thing at right. this point. Uh, and I, I soon realized that if I just hike uphill really fast and then jog downhill, I'm trail running. Cover um, like cover a lot more ground that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I, I initially just applied it to the mountains just to to finish the Adirondacks and to do more hiking in the Catskills mm-hmm. and then slowly, you know, got into trail running with my first one being the escarpment trail. And this race. would have been ten years ago, twelve years ago? Um so yeah, I started I started really hiking in like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. So about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And my first um well, I had to do a marathon to qualify for a scarf, and that was right. in 2010. Right. So after a couple of years just doing the hiking thing, then I started to run a little bit. Uh, so the escarpment for uh, non-local folks is a legendary uh, upstate New York East Coast trail race. It's uh, 30K, just over 18 miles, uh, in the Catskills on, um, I would say, some fairly burly terrain. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. <laughs> there's there's a few miles of runnable there, but there's a when it's not runnable, it's runnable. not runnable. That's right, and it's it's a thirty k where they basically say take your marathon PR, add thirty to sixty minutes, and that's about how long it'll take you. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yes, a legendary race, and and definitely a lot of people around here their intro to kind of hardcore trail running. I think. Yep. 
I I met you in I'm going to say it was 2011 when Tom uh, Kaplan yes. and Mark Ravat were putting on what became known as the Gunks Trails Challenge, yep. which I always tell people was. Uh, that they invented Strava. Basically, <laughs> this was before Strava and people were just starting yeah. to get GPS watches and they basically just built a website, put up, I think it was 12 um, kind of courses that yep, they, they yeah they put loops up yep. um, with the GPS track and turn-by-turn directions uh, mm-hmm. all around the Schwangunks where we are. And they kind of said, post your tracks. You can take as many shots as you yep. like and we'll, we'll accumulate up the times and, and fastest finisher wins. Fastest known time. Get and that was, that was, yeah. I mean, this was before the FKT uh, craze and, and certainly before yeah. Strava and, you know, early social media stuff. And they really, they were onto something. So yeah. I, I hadn't met you until we both started kind of doing those a little bit on our own. And yep. I, I definitely, so the first one that was kind of a common one was the, um, it was the one that finished back, I, I, they had names for all of them, but the one that finished on, on Overcliff. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think we went oh, out over like Millbrook. Old, yeah, exactly. Yes. So, um, you know, Ben had put up a, a very fast time and I was short, you know, shortly behind him and, and you were a few minutes behind us because it's, it was a lot of carriage road and, and, right. you know, we were just hammering kind of s- yeah. some stuff. And then the second one was, um, the blueberry run or, or Jenny Lane Jenny and that Lane, stuff, which right. is insane technical stuff. Right. And, and almost no carriage road. It's like a half a yeah, mile. Maybe, maybe. half a mile. Yeah. And you put up a time, you had four or five minutes on me. And I called yeah. Tom like, who is this guy? He's cheating. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> this, this can't be legit. But uh, no, you had taken, I think, your your love of the technical stuff. And, right. and you really translated it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, the tougher it is, the the better I like it. And yeah. The better I do. Right, right. So. And that... I mean, does some, that come added from some ice and a thunderstorm and I'll even better. <laughs> does that come from the rock climbing background? Just do you think the ease of... Or, or your your comfort level with with being up in in really technical or exposure and that sort of thing. Yeah, a combination of the rock climbing because you got to do a lot of talus scrambling to get to the cliff all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also you know grew up spending a lot of time um, with my grandparents on Sacandaga Lake, spending my summers up there, just running Did you along. Really? Yeah, just running along the beach. Okay. Um, just you know, just running over rocks on the beach. Uh, just so where on Sacandaga? We're in Bar Alban on the South Shore. Okay, because my yeah. folks we still do go up to ski at um, Lapland Lake and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, near Northville. So on the yep. West shore. Um, yep. Oh, so that's cool. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, from right from an early age, I was running on rocks and I never really took to traditional running because I thought it was just running fast on a track and I wasn't very fast, right. but I did, you know, I was into other sports, which included a lot of jumping off of things. So I've kind of always <laughs> been into the the jumping and trying to go fast through whether it was snowboarding through trees or, you know, technical mountain biking. I mm-hmm. always kind of like that that technical challenge of whatever I was doing right, at right. the time. So as you got through or more and more into the hiking and the peak bagging and, mm-hmm. excuse me, sorry, that's always what happens when we start <laughs> doing this. Uh, you started to do that and, and started to uh, do some more trail running. And as you said, the kind of the harder, the better. And you've racked up finishes at some of the tougher runs around uh, mm-hmm. the East Coast. Um Grindstone 100. Yep. Uh, you had a really strong finish uh, earlier this year at the Georgia Death Race, yep. uh, finishing the top 25, which was fantastic. Um, but uh, you're still obviously based in the Catskills and based in the mm-hmm. DAX. And, you know, tell us about the grid. And then uh, and then let's let's talk a little bit about what happened this, this past month. Right. So um, I'll never forget the first time I did the escarpment uh, trail run, which was in July of 2011. And I ran up Wyndham High Peak. I had done so much um, hiking and running 
in the spring, fall, and winter, that was my first time I had summited a Catskill peak in summertime. <laughs> Seriously. And I had done, our, I had already done like 170 ascents. Oh my God. Uh, I started keeping track when I, when I very first started hiking, um, uh, someone told me, make sure you write everything down, write down the dates. And I was like, what for? Like, you'll want them someday. Someday, right. So I, I, I did. And then, you know, it turns into a spreadsheet. <laughs> it turns into an obsession of statistics. Um, and so, yeah, I had, I had a, you know, well over 150, 160 some odd ascents and going to Blackhead and Wyndham on that day were the first two peaks I had done in summertime. And um, I had heard about this thing called the grid, mm-hmm. which was um, basically doing all 35 peaks in all 12 months of the year, not in one single year. I don't, right. I don't think anyone's done it in the Catskills yet. But just it for- has been done in the Whites, which is very, very impressive. Um, but yeah, just lifetime. Just so, record, recording a summit on each summit yep, in every month even, at some every point. Month of the year, yep. Yep, over the course of a lifetime. So 35 times 12 is 420 cents. <laughs> so I kind of set to work on that. Um, and the winter was no problem. Got that done really there, quick. Yep. Uh, fall was no problem. Spring was pretty good. And summer, summer took a bit. Yeah. Um, because one of the things about the Catskills that is unique is you can go bushwhacking if you want in the Adirondacks or the Whites. Um, nobody really wants to, but you can. Right. The Catskills, you're required to. Right. Because I think it's either 12 or, it depends how you count, either 12 or 13 of the peaks require bushwhacking because there's no maintained trails to the summit. Right. And uh, 12 of those have canisters at the, at the summit, a little summit register to record your ascent. Mm-hmm. Um, and those bushwhacks, uh, they're fantastic in the winter. Right. They're really nice in the spring. They're okay in the fall. If the vegetation dies down a little bit, but in summer, uh, nettles up to your shoulders, uh, prickers, uh, the bugs. And it's, it's about what? Memorial Day when that is basically they're getting impassable? End of May. Yeah. End of May. So, yeah. So the summer summer was tough. I'll never forget some of my uh, July and August. Uh, oh, at this point, I'm barely, I'm not running in the woods. I'm just right. hiking, trying to survive. And the armor that I wore to protect myself from all the the stinging nettles and the prickers, I, I wore rain pants. Oh God. Um, because that's the only way I could move through that, that without vegetation without being ripped up. apart and yeah. just itching for insanely <laughs> itching myself to death. Um, and so you're just, I'm just sweating, just sweating, <laughs> like dehydrating myself from the waist down from sweat. Um, and it was not even that warm of days that I was out there. Right. Um, so just absolutely miserable. I, I said, I'll never do it again. Of course I'm, you know, probably going to do it again. Um, cause I'm just obsessed like that. But, um, yeah, so I, I finished the grid, um, August, uh, 2016. Yeah. That sounds 2016, about right. Yeah. Uh, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, sort of in between there, I had, uh, talked with some other, some other people. Um, Felix that I mentioned earlier had, had talked about cave dog mm-hmm. back in our hiking days. And I just thought that was just insane that somebody would do, you know, 130 some odd miles, you know, without stopping at this point, I hadn't even done, I probably hadn't done even 50 K yet. Right. Um, probably never done an ultra. So to do that kind of distance just seemed just completely other, otherworldly. Right. Um, and then after I'd done a, a couple of hundreds, um, you know, I started to think a little more seriously about it. And there's a guy I know from the Albany area, Corey Delval, and He'd, give, he'd given this a shot um, once before and had got turned around on day one with some really, really bad weather. Mm-hmm. And so I had gone out with him and scouted a couple of the uh, the shortcuts, the bushwhacks that are non-traditional bushwhacks to sort of see, like, how do you connect these peaks that don't really get connected? Right. 
that sort of got the got the wheel spinning, right? Uh, so to say. And Corey had actually done; he's done all thirty-five in a single shot with our teammate Jan Welford. Oh, I didn't uh, realize those guys that. did it unsupported. They have the unsupported record in about four days, fifteen hours, something like that. Okay, and that's carrying everything besides water on their backs from from day one. Wow! So no resupplies or anything like that. Right. Uh, right. They also have the record for the Adirondacks in the same style. Okay. Which is like eight and a half days, which is just absolutely insane. Yeah, Corey, I, I've never met Jan. You know, I, I know a little bit from, like we said, our team uh, yeah. Mount, at Mountain Peak Fitness and Red Newt. Uh, he's got FKTs all over the Adirondacks and, and a, a world class schema racer. Yeah, real mountain man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, I think the race director for the Great Adirondacks Trail Run as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. So, t- t- tell us a little bit about Cave Dog for those who mm-hmm. may not be familiar. Uh, I even forget his real name, Ted. Um, Ted Kaiser. Kaiser, yep. right. Who kind of a, a through packing uh, or fast packing and, and through hiking legend. Yeah. So back in the early 2000s, I think he was around 30, 31 years old. Um, and it was like a, like a four or five year span where he just went across the country and just uh, tagged all these. Just ranges, these basically. These mountain ranges in, yeah. in single pushes. Um you know, he had he set the record for the Adirondack 46, mm-hmm. uh, the White Mountain 48. Mm-hmm. Um, he set the record for the Colorado 14ers, mm-hmm. um, the 6,000 footers in the Smokies. Mm-hmm. Um, Finished Barkley he, somewhere. He was in the there. third finisher of Barkley <laughs> at that point in in a record time, right. um, which has has been broken by a little bit, but still not that not much. much. And to, to be a, a finisher of Barkley, obviously, is elite yeah, company. There's only still 15 only people. 15 people. Um, and uh, he he did. Um, uh, let me think, a 50K hike in 50 states in 75 days. Oh, my gosh. Which is pretty uh, pretty wild across the whole yeah, country. Just the logistics. Yeah, very, very difficult. Um, and he's not running these things, so he's hiking. So it's taken him a little longer, and he's not doing – this isn't like, uh, you know, Dean Karnazes doing the 50 marathons in 50 states. He's <laughs> right, on the road. He's banging these things out in three and a half hours, right. and he's got the rest of the day to travel. Right. No, these are – these are like, you know, eight, nine, 12, 14 hour hiking days right. where then you have to get to another state the next day and do it all <laughs> over again. Um, and so I think the last one that he set was the Catskills. Um, or I think the 50K one was was after, but the last mountain range one right. was, was the Catskill 35. And that and was what year? Oh, four? That was in 2002. Oh, two. September 2002. And he took yep. how long? He took... 63 hours and 24 minutes. And that was so, and the way that he recorded it uh, was basically first peak to last peak. So yes. he spent he spent the night on the peak of his first mountain, and that's where he started his Presumably watch when he woke he up the next the night. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I, I should ask him about that. We shouldn't that. presume because I guess that's yeah. probably not legal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been in communication with him a little bit, just telling him about, about what I was going to do and how I made out. Right. And, um, so I, I should I should ask him because uh, I don't I don't actually know why he started at the at first the, summit, the, but he's, at the summit instead of the trailhead. Yeah, right? he started at the summit of Picamus, mm-hmm. um, and then he finished at the summit of Wyndham, right? Uh, Wyndham High Peak, giving him approximately 133 miles. And you know, when I thought about it, I thought it's kind of silly. You have a mountain range with 35 high peaks, and you're only doing 34 climbs. <laughs> so that was kind of kind of strange, you know. And you, right. you get to the 35th summit, you still have to get down, right? So I might as well just start from the trailhead. Right. So it just makes more logical sense. It, it does make more logical sense. And all of his other, the Adirondack 46 and the Weiss, it's all trailhead to trailhead. So I, like I said, I'm not sure That's interesting. exactly why he chose I, I will. I will send him an email and ask him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you said after you finished the grid and kind of summer of 16, that's kind of maybe when you thought that 
something like this might be possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about it earlier. Um, like I, I even thought about it that spring. Um, I had done my first 100 miler uh, in April of 2016, which was Massanutten. Mm-hmm. And after that, I felt, wow, this is good. I can do 100 miles. I, I, you know, I, was, I was running at the end. I was feeling good. I mm-hmm. didn't get hurt. And by the time I recovered from that, I mean, the, if anyone that hasn't done a hundred mile or the recovery, you may think you're recovered in a week or two, and then you go out for a, a little five mile run three or four weeks later, right. and you're like, why can't I move? I'm in quicksand here. Right. Because uh, it just takes a lot out of you. And yeah. And so, I mean, some people can really, they bang them out once a month or yeah. every six weeks. And, right. For me, it's- Yeah, I'm not it's, that guy. <laughs> no. It's, you know, four weeks until I can really feel just- not even yeah. like I'm running normally, just like until I feel like I even want to run again. And yeah. and it's another couple of weeks after that until I'm I'm kind of anywhere back to normal. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're kind of alluding to this window of, uh, of opportunity in the Catskills. Weather-wise, right. Weather-wise and uh, vegetation-wise. Right. And, and that really is May. Um, Cave Dog did it in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in earlier in the year, he was occupied with other, mm-hmm. other mountain ranges. But doing it in September, he only had 12-hour days. Right. Um, and he had, on average, warmer temperatures mm-hmm. than in May. Mm-hmm. And he also had vegetation to contend with. Uh, right. The, the leaves are still up. You know, now, the ferns are still up in September. What about October? Are you worried about October, ice at October, now you're getting into 11-hour days. Right. Yeah, that's um, true. It's a lot less daylight. And the daylight, I can, you know, we can be on trail all night long. That's not yeah, a big but, deal. But Off trail, forty or fifty miles worth of bushwhacking at night. You don't, you can't do that. It's not something you do when you're going for an FKT, right? Because right. it is not the fastest way to do it. Right. It is very very slow. I I fortunately with this timing in May, I did one bushwhack in the dark. That was that it. That was it. Because the okay. way I timed it. Okay. Now, did you follow the same route that he did? I followed the same peak order. Okay. Um, I can't guarantee I followed the same route sure. because in 2002, he's not carrying a spot tracker. He doesn't have a GPS watch. Right. So I had, you know, his website, the, the dogteam.com has his splits for right. most of the peaks, what time he was there, how long he spent. So you, know, you had benchmarks. Place, this place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell us about how it kind of came together uh, from when you thought about or that this might be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have to get too deep in the weeds, but just the logistics of it. How did that come together? How much work was that? It seems like, I mean, I know you were doing a lot of recon, not, yeah. you know, as I said to Phil, you may know these peaks better than anyone in the world, but mm-hmm. even then you were still doing a lot of recon sure. type runs, at, uh, especially on some of the bushwhacks. Um, how much of that did you do? How much of the logistical planning uh, did you have to get involved in in terms of your resupplies and who was going to be where and when? Mm-hmm. Well, so one of the reasons why I hadn't done this earlier is because in 2016, when I really wanted to do this, even on top of the not recovering from Massanutten, I also hadn't checked out all of the course. And mm-hmm. um, like I said, my friend Corey, who kind of probably was a, was the one that kind of really put this in my head to that I could go for this mm-hmm. and I could do it. Um, someone had told him uh, a piece of advice, never go for something until you know it all. Mm-hmm. Like don't, don't expect like, I'll just figure out that five mile section on the day that I do it because you just don't know what's there. You don't. You don't yeah. want to have any unknowns. Right. Right. So especially maybe thirty hours in or forty exactly, hours in when exactly. you're not maybe making the best decisions. Right. Uh, it turns out I actually did have an unknown toward the end, but oh. it, it wasn't too big of a big of an issue. Um, so in 2017, I was I was ready to go for this. I had done some of the recon, and I just I just got sick the whole month of May. I was I was ill. I had like bronchitis twice. I remember that. Yeah. So I just was out, and I'm like, well, I guess I guess maybe next year. Right. Um, so. 
this year's looking good. I'm healthy. I feel good. I did a lot of hiking um, over the course of the winter. I did a full round of the Catskills in wintertime. Um, signed up for the George Death Race as right. like my long run to get ready for the Catskills. It wasn't a race for me. It was a long day on my feet. Right. Um, and I, you know, I ended up doing very well in the race because I, I approached it as a training day, not as a race. And you if, were just strong from hiking basically. Right. And yeah. I just, I just hiked and I got toward the end, the last 10 miles I had legs and I just hammered and passed a bunch of people. And, right. And, uh, I came in so fast that my wife wasn't expecting me for another hour, uh, <laughs> which is always nice. Um, but after that, I, I just had my sights set on this. Everything um, that I had done, all the hiking I had done was was specifically directed um, toward practicing some of the more challenging sections, mm-hmm. um, rehearsing the bushwhacks, learning like there's a down tree over here. I need to go to the right, not the left. Because if I go to the left, I get into this patch of prickers. So I got to go this way. And it's it's those little details yeah. from the accumulated knowledge of more than a decade that allowed me to do this as as efficiently as I did. That's the part of it that, I mean, beyond just the physical enormity of the feat, but the the part of me that kind of blows my mind about it is how dialed you had all these little bushwhacks and Mm -hmm. and all these little, like you said, recognizing a certain log or a certain tree. Phil, we were talking about the week before, I think it was a week before or so. It it was about, I think it was about two and a half. Maybe two weeks before where you guys did like Oh, it was two weeks. Because you guys did it like was, a nine mile bush or we, uh, we nine a, peak bushwhack. A nine peak bushwhack, yeah. So that's the that's the beginning of it. It's called the Catskill Nine, right? And um, that was the day that I had originally had intended to do this, right? But the weather wasn't going to cooperate. The, next the rest day of the was weekend. like forty and rain. I'm right. like, I can't. That's right. not. So I, you know. I, so Phil went out and yeah. did that with you. I ran with him the next day, and first of all, he looked like he had literally been in a knife fight. Like <laughs> <laughs> we stopped at one point to check for ticks after yeah. we had gone through grass, and you know we had been talking about what he had done, and I, I yeah. was looking at our legs, and I was, what the hell happened yeah. to you? I mean, he was cut to shit on yeah. his legs, his arms. It was unbelievable. But and that's about seven miles of bushwhack, <laughs> right? Out of forty <laughs> about or so. forty some odd, yeah. So I said, he was describing what you guys had done. And, and I said, yeah. it, you know, I know you have maps. I know you have a compass. How is, how is he, meaning you, h- mm-hmm. how are you doing that? Is, is he shooting a bearing every, you know, quarter mile, every mile, you know, hundred yards? Or how often does he check the map? He said, he checked the map once or he checked his compass once. He checked the GPS once. Yeah. I'm like, that was it? Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, did you know where you were? He's like, fuck no. <laughs> I remember coming off of uh, Rocky Mountain, which was our fourth peak and, you don't take a straight shot over to Balsam Cap, the next peak. You have to kind of go around the side a little bit, and then you dip down. You kind of go around again a little bit. You're kind of going the wrong way for a little while, but that's the way to go. Just, you just like, know that's the way to do there's it. There's cliffs, you know, and I said to Phil, I said, "Does it is this like shocking to you that I like know that rock? <laughs> you know, like I know this rock and right. like this tree. How many and, times have you been to that rock before? Yeah. 40? Yeah. 80? He's, like, mean- he's like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> But that's, you know, that's what I had to do in order to put myself in, in a favorable position for success. Right. And I knew that I had to do that. When you got to that point, you knew that it was possible, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was basically, was it Memorial Day weekend that it wound up happening? Memorial Day weekend. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so I wanted to go two weeks earlier. Weather was bad on Saturday. I was, I was planning on doing like a Friday morning start. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saturday was bad. Canceled it. Mm-hmm. The next week, same thing. Saturday was bad. Um, I was so depressed that Saturday morning that I didn't get out of bed until 1030. Oh man. Because I had, I had rounded up people. I right. had bought supplies. 
I had been working on, I, I just bought a new truck this spring. I had to get my camper to fit on the truck. It didn't quite fit, right? Because right. it was on a Tacoma and I'm putting it on an F-150. It's a different size truck. <laughs> um, so I've been doing a lot of work getting ready for the, the Ratissima and trying to get my camper on the truck because that's my crew vehicle. And if I have to sleep, I need to sleep in the camper and my right. crew needs to sleep. Right. So I'm just all week, I'm just running around like crazy. And all of a sudden the weather is bad again. I'm just like, I, I can't, I can't take this. Right. Like I can't, I've done too much. And the window is closing. Right. Like you said, after, after that week, that was basically going to be it. The vegetation starts to come in. Now, I've been out every weekend. I was out with Phil. Mm-hmm. Things were great. Right. No leaves, buds, but great. Right. The next weekend, I went out with our friend Callie, mm-hmm. did a bushwhack over North Dome and Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Small leaves. I'm like, I wish I was here right now. But like <laughs> I said, the weather the day before was, was terrible. Right. So I'm like, I, I have to, I have to it's go. It's now if or I, never. It's now or never. And um, or the weather year, window basically. looked good starting on Thursday. So um, yeah, my friend Mindy, uh, who works at Rock and Snow in town, mm-hmm. doesn't work Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so I called her up and I said, hey, are you around? And she's like, yeah, I'm here. I am like, I think I'm going to go for it on Thursday. She goes, I'm yours the whole time. <laughs> so what time did you start? Uh, 5 a.m. Okay. 5 a.m. trailhead. 5 a.m. trailhead. Mm-hmm. Perfect as planned. Got a solid, you know, three and a half hours sleep right before <laughs> us as any all good old ultra marathon starts. Yes, exactly. And um, yeah, it was just like a nice, nice cool morning. I started off with gloves and, you know, arm sleeves on. It, yeah. was, it was like, oh, I can, I can get into this. Of course that, you know, that comes off in an hour or yeah, so. Yeah, that didn't last long. Um, Although but, the first day, I feel like the first day was not that bad, heat wise. The first day wasn't bad until around... Like two in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and I started heading up. Uh, so I did the nine, mm-hmm. which is the bushwhack I did with Phil a couple weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. Then head over to Panther Mountain, mm-hmm. um, and that's it's pretty runnable. I just took a nice, nice, easy jogging pace. I, I knew better than to to push anything too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, um, it, it brings you to what was ended up being like the longest time segment that I had, um, which is a bushwhack up up Fur Mountain over to uh, Big Indian Double Top and Graham. Mm-hmm. And it's just very remote. You're up high. It's super steep to get up there. The The coals in between each of the peaks are really steep. Mm-hmm. There's no water. Mm-hmm. I started out with three liters. I was through half of that by the time I got to the first peak. Oh, man. Uh, fortunately, I did have a little squeeze filter with me. So I did find a little trickle okay. uh, in between a couple of them. Stopped and had, uh, had some water there and filled up. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was pretty brutally hot. And the bugs had come in. Right. Um, which is another thing about springtime you know if i had yeah. gotten out there in early may no vegetation no bugs right you know cooler temps but you know you just you play the when cards you, when you, when you do basically. these things when you do anything of, of an ultra distance you don't worry about that stuff you just deal with what's in front of you right and if you can't deal with what's in front of you you stop but i just <laughs> kept on kept on dealing with it and kept on going right um got through that um so i didn't have a lot of the times in my head comparing myself to cave dog i had okay. some so the one benchmark I knew was, and I didn't want to be in this position, Cave Dog summited Balsam Lake Mountain at 8.30 at night, okay. which in September is dark. From there, there's a pretty bad uh, bushwhack downhill into Seeger. It's, okay. it's on this old road. It's really washed out, like mm-hmm. a road that's as deep as it is wide. I mean, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not want to do that in the dark. Mm-hmm. He did in the dark. It took him, I don't know, like an hour and 45 minutes to get down. It was really, really slow descent. Okay. Um, I summited Balsam Lake Mountain at six o'clock okay. and I still had two and a half hours of daylight. Nice. So I got down that very quickly, got into Seeger and I had done 40 some odd miles at this point. 
Um, and most totally of the bushwhacking alone. at that point. And that's, that's, a, that's a huge portion of bushwhacking. Yeah. And those were the two hardest segments of bushwhacking for the entire route. And that must have been the plan. While you're still feeling relatively fresh, Absolutely. while you're still, you know, able to keep your wits about yeah. you. And, and like you said, at that point, um, on your own, totally solo. Mm-hmm. So Mindy had come up to the summit of Slide Mountain mm-hmm. and jogged back down to the road with me about mm-hmm. three miles, two and a half miles. Mm-hmm. And that was the only company I had. Okay. Okay. So you're so, about but that's that's 14, kinda how I wanted hours to, in or so. Yeah, that's how I wanted to be in the bushwhacks because I know where I'm going. Um I don't if, if somebody trips and falls, I don't want right. to you don't have want to feel responsible wait for, for them. them. I don't want to stop, you know. And I also wanted to get my pace set for day one. Um, I wanted to kind of get my mind wrapped around what I was doing. I wanted to have that time alone mm. so that I could I could really mentally get a handle on what was there without any kind of distractions. Mm-hmm. And uh, it worked. I, I do most of my hiking alone anyway up there, mm-hmm. um, and most of my running for that matter. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it was cool. It was a good experience to spend you know a big chunk of time just struggling through that that right. first day by myself. Right. Um, and then when I got into Seeger, uh, Mindy and uh, our teammate Jay Lemos mm-hmm. um, joined in, and and Jay uh, was there for much of Jay the rest did, of the way. For he you. did a lot. <laughs> he did a lot. He's, these guys are. I, I can't. I can't underestimate or can't, I can't un, uh, overstate like what a role um, the other people played in my success in this. Um, you can't do it alone. I I couldn't do it alone. Right. Um, I mean, I sure I could have filled a whole pack full of food and gone really slow, but. Uh, I don't like doing that stuff. Right. Like I wanted to go, you know, as light and fast as I could. Right. And just having just such an amazing support team. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and Cave Dog did it the same way. It, I mean, he, he had a huge crew yep. as well, and yep. you know, friends who traveled around with him, and, yep, and absolutely. it was it was the way it was the way to do it. Yep. So you, you went pretty much most of that night as well. What time did you knock off for the night? It was probably early early yeah. in the morning. So I had um, I had a plan. To get into uh, to go over Halcott Mountain, which is another the only bushwhack I did in the dark, mm-hmm. uh, which Jay and I did together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I planned to get down to Townsend Hollow Road around three a.m. Mm-hmm. and I planned a two-hour nap. Uh, so looking at at Cave Dog stats, I, it was hard to tell. I don't think he slept on the first night, mm-hmm. and I think night two um, there was a there was a window of time where he was like five and a half hours between these two points, and mm-hmm. I'm like, that, that's like an hour. Right. So he must have like totally conked just, out and like taken a nap on night two. And I see, I don't, I don't want to get in that position. I'm going to try and sleep on night one mm-hmm. and then hopefully not sleep on night two. It was all part of the original plan. Okay. Like I had, I had put a time itinerary together for, for my crew and did not include sleeping time on night two. Really? Yeah. It was not, it was not on the plan at all. So you were looking at two hours of sleep I was the whole way. That was what you were planning yep, on. That was the plan. And that's and pretty much how it went? About 90 minutes or so? Well, I was about 45 minutes behind schedule. Okay. <laughs> coming out of the woods after Halcott. And so when I got in, I was planning on sleeping from three to five and I got to sleep around 4.15. Now, let me ask and you something. I said, that's it, hour and a half. 5.45, okay. I'm up. <laughs> let me ask you, because... Right. So you, you had this all timed out. You, you had your mm-hmm. schedule. You come in 45 minutes behind, but we should we should tell everybody your schedule was not your schedule had plenty of um, I don't want to say downtime built in, but you, you had scheduled a pretty good gap between you and the time that you needed. I mean, you were looking at breaking this record by a substantial amount. Right. So when you came in after 45 minutes, you're like, shit, I was planning on sleeping for two hours. Did it go through your head like. I have eight hours to play with. Maybe oh, yeah. I'll t- it, yeah, it did. yeah, yeah. Okay. How yeah, hard, like, so how like hard I, was it not to do that? Then? Like, I, like I said, that benchmark on Balsam Lake, I knew right there. I'm like, man, I got two and a half hours. Right. 
here I am. Right. I'm barely into this thing. I got two and a half hours. Right. I got all this, all these road sections, and I got, I got trail. Like, <laughs> right. no, no big deal. I can run if I need to. You know, I, I was hiking up, jogging down, like yeah. most of the route. And uh, yeah, I knew getting that, getting that cushion in the beginning was was really key to my success. Because so being here, being a Catskill local, mm-hmm. and spending all that time being up those mountains twenty, thirty times a piece. Um, I know the I know the woods. Right. I know him very very easily. Uh, Cape Doug did not. You know he had been up there a few times. I guess he spent like a few weeks here, kind of rehearsing it. But he was guided through those sections. He had people that that knew the route better than him okay. to guide him through. But they weren't as fast as he was, so right. he wasn't able to go as fast as he could. I knew that I knew the routes as well as his guides did. Right. But I was faster than his guides, so right. I knew my my opportunity to gain time was going to be on that first day. Okay, uh, and so I knew I had a cushion. I wasn't I wasn't too concerned with it. Okay, but also when I was setting my time itinerary together, I I really didn't feel like it was that aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought that my times were pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't going out trying to hammer anything. Right, uh, and really all I did was take his splits and say, yeah, I'll do that an hour faster. <laughs> I'll do that an hour and a half faster. But you know, you know how long it takes you to do all these yeah. peaks from being yeah, just a good, good gut instinct. Sure, sure. really, very okay. unscientific. <laughs> so Phil met you that that second morning and said oh. it was probably your only real down period. He yeah. said he said leaving camp, you were kind of chewing very slowly yeah. on a slice of cold pizza, yeah. and you just didn't have a lot to say. And yeah, I don't. I, I don't wake up very well in the morning. Which, <laughs> so is that, as, that was more of just a morning person kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, I'm definitely not a morning person. 17 years of teaching, and it's still a struggle every single day to get up <laughs> at 6 a.m. I just don't do it well. Um, it, I don't think it mattered that I only had an hour and a half sleep. My alarm went off at 5.45, and my first reaction was, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Going back to bed. Uh, this is stupid. I've already done like 16 peaks. What am I trying to prove? Uh, and then I looked at, you know, Limo sitting next to me in the in the bed of the camper. And then I thought about Mindy who was sleeping in the in the truck in my dog's bed in the back of my truck. Really, she's sleeping in the dog's bed, curled up. Uh, and then I thought of Phil who had gotten up early and yep. was, was parked next to us. And then I thought of all the other people that had taken the day off work and were coming up later on to help. And I said, I can't, I can't, can't stop. I can't stop now. Yeah. I get, I'm going to let down all these people. And then if I want to do something crazy again, they're not going to show up. Right. So I, I can't, I can't do it. So I said, that's it. I, I had about a three minute window where I said, I have to be out of here. And you I did need it. to be out of here in three minutes or it's all over. Right. And I pulled on a pair of tights real quick, threw on a shirt, put my shoes on. Couldn't even think about it. Grabbed a bottle of water and a slice of cold pizza. And I was out. I was gone. And Jay's Jay was still sitting there in his uh, pajamas. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm not ready. I said, find me. I got a four-mile road walk. You know where I'm going to be. You know, and Phil and I started uh, started trotting down the road. And uh, by yeah, the time I, he said, once you got some coffee in, you yeah, were, Mindy you were a new had, man. Mindy had driven up past us to where the, the road ended. I was heading back into the woods, and she had a mug of coffee waiting for me. And yeah, that was it. That's all I needed. And, uh, and so from that yeah, point- that was it. So from that point, you're, like you say, you've got maybe 100 miles or so at that point, maybe a little less to do. Um, and yep. from all accounts, I'm not going to say it was easy, but you were dialed. Like, yeah. I, from, and I've talked to Phil and I've, you know, been online with Jay and with um, Jay Cobb as well, who was mm-hmm. with you, Mindy, obviously, uh, talking to Tara. It was like, once, once you got that coffee in you and you guys yeah. basically left that road section, Nobody had a single doubt that it was going to happen. It was yeah. just like you were you were focused, you were in good spirits pretty much the whole way. Mm-hmm. 
they said it was never even a question of needing to sleep. It was, it sounded like it just went completely according to plan. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I never got tired in my legs. Uh, I never had trouble climbing. Um, I never had trouble descending. I never had any kind of sore quads or anything like that. It's which amazing. Was, which, which is weird because in the Georgia death race, I was getting um, probably around mile 50. I started getting my lower quads like right where it attaches to your knee. Mm-hmm. I was getting these, these horrendous like tight cramps and I had to like stop and stretch my leg, like do quad stretches huh. just so I could keep going. It was really, and I'm like, oh, I hope this doesn't happen. Right. And it, nothing. I had zero pain, like nothing at all. The only thing that was bugging me is I was getting some hot spots yeah. in my feet. Yeah. And uh, my my toes have kind of been numb for about three weeks. They're okay. kind of, they're almost, they're almost back to normal, but I had numbness in my feet. Okay. Uh, pretty much in the middle of day one, they started kind of going numb. Huh. Uh, I guess probably some lower back issues, but I've been, okay. been getting some treatment for that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, my spirits were... We're great. And it got uh, hot that second it got, day. It got, it got hot. really hot. Um, and I, I just, every time I left um, the crew, mm-hmm. I had two liters of water in my back and I had two bottles up front. I had a bottle of uh, Scratch and a bottle of Mountain Dew. <laughs> and nice. that was it. And I just ate whatever. Just I ate everything I could get it, my hands it. on. Yep. Um, I was eating pizza. Um, my wife had gone to Chipotle in Kingston and got me a couple of burritos. Nice. I ate those. Um, I had some uh, egg and cheese wraps in the mm-hmm. morning and some more coffee. Just whatever whatever was there, I was I was eating. A lot of real food, mm-hmm. a lot of Epic bars, mm-hmm. um, Not no gels, not a single gel the whole time, mm-hmm. a couple, couple things of uh, honey stingers. But yeah, I just, I just ate and drank and ate and drank and kept on walking. Tell us a little bit about jogging. the gear. Uh, what were you using in terms of a pack? Did you use poles? What was your mm-hmm. footwear like? Were you changing it out? So I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, the Hoka Speedgoats, mm-hmm. the Speedgoat 2s. Um, they, they work really well for me. They have amazing grip. I mm-hmm. love the Vibram Sticky Rubber on them. Uh, so those, those were my feet the whole time. Uh, one pair for the first 40, one pair for the other 100. Really? Mm-hmm. Just one shoe change? Yep. One amazing. One shoe change. Uh, two, maybe two or three sock changes. Okay. Um, at various points. Um Solomon shorts. Mm-hmm. These uh, I don't know what their brand or what uh, model they are, but they're just these awesome lightweight, mm-hmm. like medium length shorts that I absolutely love. Um, pack. I had an Ultimate Direction uh, Hard Rocker from two years ago, three years ago. So it's like the uh, it's the SJ signature. Uh, it's not. It's the one that they're selling now as the FKT vest. Oh, okay. So um, it's it's got like lash points for the poles and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was the second incarnation of that. Um, so it's like a 13 liter pack. Okay. Uh, so yeah, just I carry everything I need and it's not too big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can run with it no problem when it's fully loaded up and, right. uh, and works great. And yeah, poles. What kind poles of poles? the whole time. Um, Black Diamond uh-huh. uh, Carbon Z poles. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just nice and light. Yeah. Took the, took the straps off. Just keep them super light. Do you use those pretty regularly when you're just out for day hikes? Yep. You do? Yep. I okay. love poles. Yeah. I love poles. I can, I can use them like a cross country skier to push me uphill. Uh-huh. Um, and even if I'm, even if I'm running, yeah. you can kind of get your arms kind of moving, yeah. you know, in a gate with the poles and I need to they help you kind of like, I, I like them to like vault over things. Yeah. Like if there's like a little stream or a little mud right. spot there, you don't want to jump in it. You mm-hmm. can just put a, plant a pole and you kind of pole vault and it'll get you, it'll get you an extra foot, foot and a half. And right. Sometimes that's all you need. Right. Just a little bit to get over something. Um, and then if I get tired and I'm, a lot of the Catskills have, they're notorious for like these little rock steps that mm-hmm. are, you know, three, four feet high coming downhill and you got to jump down this thing and you've gotten 
let's say 50 miles on your legs during right. like a race or something, you know, you don't want to do that. So no. you, pl- you plant the poles first, you leave mm-hmm. the poles and they take a certain percentage of the weight off your legs and it'll keep you going. I, I, I need to, I think, spend some time with them this summer. Um, I, it, I feel like it should be fairly easy for me, like just coming from a cross country ski background, yep. like it should be a fairly natural idea. I've just never spent yep. any time with them as a hiker or runner. Sure. Um, so I, I just have never felt comfortable taking them out in a race. So, yeah, but I get I, very amused when I see people like in a race with them for like the first time who clearly like have never no used idea. them before. They're, like, yeah. Outriggers or like making sure they don't fall over forward. They're, they're going uphill and the poles are in front of them. Like eh, <laughs> that's, that's you're not wrong. doing it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's get you uphill, not back down, you know? Um, oh man. Yeah. So, and then you were, I mean, contrasting the first 40 miles, the first, uh, you know, 12 or so peaks uh, where you were, like you said, solo, mm-hmm. you were rarely solo at that from that point on. Yeah. I had company the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, had Phil Mindy and, and Jay, Jay and, and Mindy then, and the then, other Jay. And, yeah. Then Jay and then Phil and then <laughs> Jason Cole. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and then uh, by the end, you Elizabeth, were like a Elizabeth whole, yep. came into the devil's path with, uh, with Mindy. And that actually, that was the only low point I had. I was somewhere in the devil's path and so the it was devil's, the middle of the night. Devil's path, notoriously difficult, always li- yep. listed among the, you know, 10 great day hikes to do yeah, before you die. trails in the Yes, country, exactly. Whatever. And uh, um, we'll talk a little bit about that at the yeah. end when we talk about your running, your so racing, I, rather. Go I, on. I was somewhere in the middle of that, which is probably around 105 miles into into the whole the whole thing. Okay. And Nighttime at this point? Nighttime. Yeah. yeah, middle of the night, I don't know, 2, 3 a.m., something like that. And I got a little dizzy. Uh, I had a dizzy spell, which lasted about 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. I sat down on a rock. I uh, took a couple of sips of, I don't know, Mountain Dew or something. Mm-hmm. And 15 seconds later, my head cleared and I stood back up and kept going. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that, that was, was it. <laughs> the only, besides like not wanting to wake up, that was the only like little hiccup the entire time. You know, I met, I stumbled a couple of times, fell a couple of times. But, right. But nothing, no other mental fatigue, no other real physical Phil fatigue. says you almost lost a hand at the top of Hunter or Wyndham uh, to a dog. <laughs> nah. Nah, now, nah. now it's all good british humor yeah yeah and you i d- love dogs they love me it's all good <laughs> uh the other question i want to ask you was how much panic when you left the peak of hunter and realized you had forgotten to take a picture oh it wasn't it wasn't i mean it, it wasn't too not bad because I was you were documenting like, ah, with the spot tracker and everything yeah but- no i wasn't worried i just I thought it was just kind of cool to have to do all that. the photos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I only missed it by five hundred feet. Okay, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a big wasn't deal. like a mile down there. But I sure as hell wasn't going back. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's two other things I did not do. I did not climb the Tremper Mountain or the uh, not Tremper uh, Balsam Lake Mountain the fire, fire Tower. tower. <laughs> and the reason why I did not climb that one is because I knew that many many hours and miles later I was sure as hell not climbing Hunter Mountain Fire Tower. <laughs> That's so I did not do those. Yes, there's no which is rare. I've possible to turn around. I've right? I've skied Hunter Mountain and I've climbed it in my <laughs> ski boots. I, mean, I always climb the towers. <laughs> right, but you knew there was no way. No, 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 no. I don't need that. I remember it's hard enough. I remember at Cayuga Trails a couple of years ago. Uh, the I was leaving the last aid station at the top of the falls, forty-seven miles in. Yeah, and was running okay, but you know, at that point where you definitely need it to be over. And uh, I had taken my last gel going into the into the aid station. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I remember I was telling myself, you got to pick up like a gel or two for the for the, the last stretch down. And I left the aid station. I got, I'm going to say 20 yards down the trail. And I was like, oh, shit, I forgot to pick up a gel. And I was like, 
Oh, well, <laughs> like, this, I'm not going back. I don't care. I have two salt tablets. I'll be fine. And that was it. I, I you know, just now, had to roll myself down the hill. On the opposite side, our friend Joe Brown has a polar opposite story where he was doing Vermont 100. Right. And he comes into the aid station. He grabs a slice of pizza and he walks out of the aid station eating the slice of pizza. And he's going, this is really good pizza. And he said he got about maybe 500 feet away. He goes, I want another I'm going to go back and get a slice of pizza. So he turned around and went back and got another slice. No, that's, that's, that's working on a different plane of existence. I can't even, I can't even begin to fathom that. That's hilarious. Oh man. So yeah. So you were, you were rolling the whole way basically. And uh, yeah. you had great support. It sounds like, and uh, yeah, tell us about how it finished up. So I knew after that first night that I was behind, you know, my, arbitrary time right. itinerary plan. Um, and I I varied between an hour, hour and a half, something like that behind my schedule, but I was I was steady at mm-hmm. that point. I wasn't gaining or losing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mentioned uh, a little while ago that there was one section I hadn't uh, checked out before and the ascent up to Thomas Cole, mm-hmm. uh, the most direct way is to go up through a Boy Scout camp. Okay. And so the Boy Scouts are like they're very, very friendly with you using their land if you ask them, mm-hmm. um, except if there's Boy Scouts in camp, they won't let you go. Okay. So I did not have an opportunity to get up there to check out that two, two and a half mile climb up Thomas Cole, which is a bushwhack. And okay. Thomas Cole is right next to Blackdale and Blackhead. And I've, I've bushwhacked both of those. And I'm pretty aware of how... Uh, they're they're okay in the bottom, but they get really really thick up top with with balsam mm-hmm. balsam fir, um, really thick. Like they'll stop you in your tracks and you can't move, kind of thick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I expected that up up there, and well, that's what we got. Um, <laughs> at that point, I had been joined. Uh, there was six people with me for that last oh, uh, man. 14, 15 mile stretch, um, and so that was cool. We had a we had a big gang going up there, and starting that ascent, I was an hour and a half. Uh, off of my projected time, but still on record pace, obviously. Yeah, yeah. record pace, and I, I had, I had set myself um, when I got done, kind of arbitrarily saying two hours here, five hours here, four and a half hours here. Right. I came up with a time of fifty-seven hours and fifteen minutes. Okay. And I said that seems pretty good. It's like six hours better. Sure. Right. That sounds great to me. I'll if I get that, I'll take it. If I don't get that, I that's fine. I'll go a little slower. I don't care. Right. Um. So hour and a half behind. I'm like, I'm still. So well within the cushion here, no big deal. Well, I'm cruising along, and I started to, uh, I started to sort of smell the finish. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And um, so heading up Thomas Cole was was good. I was moving very well, and then we it was very short, um, you know, drop and climb back up to Black Dome, and I found myself kind of in the front of the pack and going down Black Dome. And I found myself starting to run, <laughs> and then I look back and. There's like nobody with me. <laughs> and then I fly a blackhead, which is a pretty steep ascent from that side. But I, I definitely led the charge up that and uh, stopped to take some pictures of, of my friends coming up. This, at this point, we had another three or four people had kind of met met us on the trail. So I had a group coming of up 10 from the other going direction, up blackhead, yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of kind of cool having a big posse <laughs> up there. Uh, and then coming off blackhead, it's it's really technical going down the escarpment trail. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, Jake Lemos had taken out his uh, his cell phone and he started kind of filming a little bit. Right, I remember that. So I'm just that. like, uh, oh, you want to film? All right, well, we could play a little bit. You want to play? <laughs> Let's play. And just like what happened in the in the de- in George the Death Race uh, back in April or back in March, um, 
I had legs. Yeah. Because I had been, you know, taking it relatively easy. I hadn't been pushing very hard. Yeah. And so I'm trying to run these downhills and the legs are there. The quads are there. Everything is great. And I just started bombing. Yeah. Just absolutely yeah, you bombing like you down Blackhead. Yeah, you looked like you were just out for a run, No basically. big deal. And no one besides Lemos could keep up with me <laughs> uh, and Phil. Um, and then we, we cruised over to Wyndham. And uh, Mindy had met us up there uh, with a nice warm can of beer, <laughs> which uh, I managed to stomach about half of it. And then I'm like, oh, who wants a beer? This is good. You should really celebrate here, you know. And so we're up there and I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, man, it's, it's like one, it's like 135. Huh. 135. Wait a minute. 215 was my goal. I got 40 minutes to get down Wyndham and hit my goal. I'm like, man, I made up a lot of time on this. Yeah. And I was like, it's like three and a half miles down. I'm like, I think I can actually do this. <laughs> so we uh, kind of wrapped up our, our little celebration up there and. Uh, just started kind of cruising down and the further I went, uh, the faster I ran. <laughs> and uh, at one point I started playing some, uh, some bad brains on my cell phone, got me really motivated to run a little faster. And, uh, you know, Lemos had filmed a bit of that and I, I'm, uh, poorly screaming, you know, lyrics to, <laughs> I don't know, big takeover or something. And it's like me and Jay and Phil, and we had just dusted the rest of the other 10 people. They were nowhere to be seen there's and, a uh, there's a little video of you guys coming out of the trail at the very end and, and like yeah. uh it looks like the end of reservoir dogs where they're all walking out of the <laughs> <laughs> just like the you know this beaten down posse it's great yeah yeah, yeah so we're, we're we're heading into the into the the finish there and in the very beginning um you know two and a half days earlier going into uh the first the first trail there's a, a sign-in register you know, right. So it says, you know, write your name, the date, and your destination. So my destination was Wyndham High Peak, mm -hmm. which I'm pretty sure no one has written in that book since Cave Dog in 2002, because <laughs> who the hell would go to Wyndham High Peak from Peekamoose, right? 140 miles away. Right. Um, so I, you know, I wrote that in. And I said, I'm going to make sure I sign out at the end. Right. Uh, from, you know, Wyndham High Peak. From Wyndham High from, Peak. From, from, from Peekamoose. The, the trailhead, yeah. right. So. Right. Where did, you, where did you start? Right. right. So we're, we're flying down. And I'm looking at my watch, 2.13, running harder, <laughs> 2.14. I'm like, oh, I'm like, Phil, you have anything left in you? He goes, yeah. I go, I go, run as fast as you can. Get that book open. Have a pen in your hand. I said, when I get there, I'm just going to sign it real quick, and I'm going to sprint off to the finish. So sure enough, Phil, Phil bombs down ahead of me. And I get there, and there's like six hikers standing around the the register like just waiting to see what's gonna and happen Phil's like make it in here you know <laughs> and they're just like bug eye they have no idea what this crazy man is doing and i get in there and i just write you know write my name real quick like a five second sign in and i remember like i just like chucked the pen into the back of the box and i sprinted through them and they're like who is this asshole you know? <laughs> and uh yeah i hit the road and it was 216 04 so that's unbelievable. You One planned it literally to the minute. Seconds literally planned off to the of minute. Off my plan time, which I just amazing. I just laughed and cried and laughed and cried <laughs> some more. Um, it was definitely overwhelmed uh, for for quite some time. Um, you know, I've I've definitely uh, gotten emotional uh, finishing some some tough races. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had. Uh, when I did grindstone with Phil uh, a year and a half ago, my knee kind of went out like 30 miles from the end, and I struggled right. with like a like a painful walk shuffle for 30 miles to finish that thing, and I was I was emotionally drained at the end of that. Right. Um, 
I, I finished other races where I just gave it my all and had nothing left. And you, you see the finish line, you just start crying. You can't stop. Right. You know, it's not under your control. This was totally different. This was happiness. This was relief. This was disbelief. Right. That I had done this thing that I had spent so many. I don't. I don't want to know how many hours. Right. Right. I, I can tell you, I've done 845 ascents in the Catskills. 845 climbs of those same 35 peaks. It's unreal. So whatever the numbers are for that, it's a lot. Right. Um, so to right. have and, that all culminate. And the uh, uncertainty of knowing if it was going to come off because of, like you said, the vegetation and no this idea. was the last chance for the and year. I've never I mean, gone more than 104 miles. Right. You just never know. Right. And everything just clicked as perfectly as I could have ever expected. So 5716 breaking the old record by six hours on a route that was 10 miles longer? About eight miles longer. Eight miles longer. Yeah. So if from my, I, I looked at my time from summit to summit and mm-hmm. I was, I was 802 faster. Wow. Than Cape Dog. Wow. So, but the new, the new trailhead to trailhead should be the new standard. Um, right. Because with the, with the FKT world, it's, you right. must do at least do what Do at the least what they do or something more. You did, yeah. Right. Right. So, and I think it's better style to go from trailhead to trailhead. Yeah, I will, I will find natural. out why he why he chose it. I'm sure he had a good reason. So, I mean, this is going to last for a while. I I don't know. I mean, I, I can't imagine somebody who has 850 ascents of this these mountains. Uh, Not that is fast enough. Right. That, exactly. To do it. Exactly. There's plenty of guys that actually know this stuff better than I do, but they're mostly retired. Mm-hmm. And this is what they do. Right. You know. Right. So, I mean, congratulations. Just amazing. Thank you. Um, you know, the, of course the, it it was, it was very interesting in the, I I was going to say in the immediate aftermath, but even in the closing stages of, of what was going on when you guys were still out on the trail back here in town, you know, out socially people who, you know, not mutual friends of ours or Mm -hmm. anything like that, but just people who know I'm a runner were like, Hey, did you know there's a guy who's like (laughs) running all the cat skills? I'm like, yeah, I know. I know that guy. That's wild. But um, naturally after this happened, the, the next question that people started turning to was when is he going to do Barclays? Yeah. Um, is that something that holds any sort of interest for you? Yeah. So, um, my friend Scott Greger, mm-hmm. uh, won the Barclay fall classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the, the winner of the Barclay fall classic, uh, gets one of the automatic entries into Barclay. That's right. Um, he deferred this year because he was having some Achilles issues. Oh, okay. I was wondering what had happened because yep. I knew he had been training for yep. it. So he is, uh, he is signed up for 2019. Okay. And seeing that he has the automatic, he, he knows exactly what to do to get into Barkley. And you can right. probably figure it out on the internet if you search enough. Right. Um, and it's obviously it's in the realm of what I enjoy doing. Right. And it's the kind of challenge, uh, as, pointless and you know <laughs> stupid as it is i i do enjoy you know getting scratched up by prickers and bleeding and so struggling he- through that stuff and so i i've never felt like scott would have told me the info mm-hmm. but i i told him i i, I actually asked him one day we we're out for a run and i said um so what's the deal with this like do you you know how to get in. Like if you go tell people, like did somebody tell you like, don't tell anyone how to get in. Right. It's like, not really. But kind of. But kind of. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like a faux pas in the, in the Barkley world right. to, to do this. And I said, well, you know, if I do this Catskill thing, do you think I'm worthy? And he said, you're worthy now. I'm like, no, I'm not. But 
if I do the Catskill thing, and only if I do the Catskill 35, I'm going to ask you for the information. And so, yeah, he was one of the first phone calls I made. Um, (laughs) Now, now that I've done this, now I would, I would really appreciate the, uh, Okay. The info on, on how to how well, to apply for that. So I, we'll, I will we'll be, make sure to forward this to I will last. Be, uh, <laughs> I'll be putting in a you know a request for that. And we'll All right, see. we're breaking you know, news here. We'll That's see. fantastic. Yeah. So the two I had two questions for you about that specifically. Mm-hmm. I was curious to see what you were going to say about it. I I think if anyone can do it, you can do it. I I don't think there's any question that physically, mentally, and yeah. and just in terms of the technical ability that's required to do something like this, that, which is I think far and away outweighs the the running or the aerobic it's it's yeah. the technical uh well, mastery is it, is crucial if you look at the finishes of the barkley they're not really runners no. they're through hikers right most like, of them are hikers yeah. exactly exactly i mean and you've I, got a few i am a hiker that started to run so i could hike further <laughs> you've got a few runners but yeah. even then you know they're they're long trail through hike right. runner type types yep. um right so I think your your credentials or your abilities are are unquestioned. The the two questions I had for you was how much of because this is I, I feel like an accomplishment comparable to that in terms of the amount of bushwhacking that you had to do, mm-hmm. the length and everything else, going without sleep, et cetera, et cetera. How much of your success this time around was due to your local knowledge and just like you said, having eight hundred and fifty summits, you know, which obviously you're never gonna be able to get that kind of knowledge down in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then the other the other part of that is like because of all the time that you've spent in the cats, this was obviously something very personal to you. Right. And when not that you had, it doesn't sound like very many down points, but when you did have down points, it's it's important to have like that, I think, that that well of something to draw on that's it like that this is meaningful enough that it, it's gonna get yeah. you through. Is something like Barkley where it's, you know, it's obviously gonna be an amazing accomplishment or amazing thing to even attempt it, but does that capture your imagination or capture your emotion enough to, do you think, to be able to draw on in the same way when it inevitably gets brutal 40 hours in or whatever? The, the Catskills are not a mountain range that runners or hikers uh, really find very romantic. Um, That's interesting. I was going to talk to you about that too, but go on. They're, you know, um, uh, Jamil Curry made a mention of, of my FKT on uh, Mountain Outpost. Right. And he said... Uh, you know, oh, he summited all 35 peaks over 3,500 feet. I guess that's high out in the East Coast. You know, <laughs> right? Just kidding. Um, but they're they're not they're not the Adirondacks. They're not the Whites. They don't you don't get to these these treeless summits above above tree line and just have this amazing 360 degree panorama. Right. Um, you do get views in the Cascades, but you got to work for them. This this is a this is something you have to kind of learn to love. Right. You know, and and I have for whatever reason. I have taken to that. Um, and I don't think Barkley, no one has ever done the Barkley or tried to do the Barkley. I mean, man, you got to see how beautiful it is out there. <laughs> right. um, it's not doing hard rock. It's not, right. you know, doing something else, which is just your mind blowing vistas every five miles. Sure. You know, I've, I've done what I've done the TDS out at the uh, UTMB races mm-hmm. when you're going around Mont Blanc and you're like, holy shit, everywhere you look, it's amazing. Right. Um, to the point where you're like, you got to watch your feet or else you're going to fall. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm, I'm well aware and very comfortable with just, just dealing with trees in your face. Right. Um, just the monotony of it doesn't bother you. And I like it. I like the challenge of like, this is this, this, this obstacle that I should 
be trying to find a way to get around, but I got to go through it. Right. Uh, I, I do like that. So yes, the, the, the Barkley, the, the, you know, Tennessee is not personal, but I do enjoy this sort of thing. Right. And you're obstinate. I mean, in a good way, like yeah. it, I, I feel like the course is going to piss you off. And instead of, you know, shutting down, like I think some people would, you'll just be like, fuck it. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've never, um, I mean, I'll, I'll put this on the record. I've never dropped. Um, I've never DNF'd. Really? From anything. Really? Ever. That's <laughs> that's a whole other conversation, never. but that's yeah, um, that's amazing. Including your pizza races. Including the pizza which races. Which I wanted to drop all three times. You're not alone there. And that's why I didn't do it this year, because <laughs> I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. So how's the recovery been going? It's been about three weeks now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can hike. I've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of work on the Manitou's course, kind of getting that ready, flagging mm-hmm. for for next Friday, next Saturday. And I just I do feel like an overall kind of fatigue still. Mm-hmm. Like a, I find myself like breathing a little like, oh man, you know, <laughs> oh I'm so tired, like that a little bit earlier than I than I might. Right. Um, but yeah, my legs feel fine. Um, feet are still in good shape. Yeah, my feet yeah. are good. I had a couple little blisters. They're all kind of getting back to normal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, besides that, I'm good. I, the, the level of intensity was really not that high. Right. You know, if I, if I go into a, a hundred miler and I'm trying to like maybe run it like a six or seven out of 10, mm-hmm. that was like a four or five out of 10 on this thing. Cause just I just knew. A long, moderately sustained effort. I, you know, I know that like 125 miles in, I've got like a two and a half mile uphill bushwhack to deal with. <laughs> so I can't be die. I can't be dead. Right. Like I have to have something left in the tank. Right. Throughout and, the whole thing. I had to. I just and like didn't you have said, an you, option. You weren't alone, but you were the you were pulling the train basically. Yeah. I mean, God bless Jay Lemos, but he was not going to pick out the correct rock to make a right, right turn on right. in the middle of a bushwhack. Yeah, there was there was a couple of points where like Brian Ostrike was uh, like leading us going up like Rusk Mountain, and mm-hmm. I'm like, can I? Because he was fresh, he was all wired. He's like, oh, let's go, man. He's as, like super as high. usual. He's just amped up, you <laughs> yes, know. All the time. So he's like flying up the mountain. I'm like, we don't go that way. <laughs> Brian, go to your left. Come on, man. Go to your left. No, no, this is it. I'm like, Brian, go to your left. I'm like, can you please? I'm tired. It's like getting dark on night two. I'm like, can you just let me lead, please? Or just just listen to me. You got to go that way. You know, don't get too far ahead because I'll just let you wander off into the woods. I don't, you know. I, I did get to a point where um, the pacers were, were there for my amusement and my entertainment, <laughs> but I was taking zero responsibility for for their actions or their safety. Uh, Jason Kolb slipped off of this. I mean, I mean this is I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I'm, when I say he almost fell off a cliff. Right. Like he slipped. There was a section where a tree had fallen and the trail kind of got really thin, and um, he slipped in the dark on the Devil's Path, and his whole body went over the edge, and he oh, was God. he was a couple of feet from like a twenty foot cliff, Oy. like legitimately. And I said. No dying, please. You're not allowed to die up here. <laughs> right. And then I said, you know what? You can die, but I can't stop. I'm not stopping. And I'm not, I wasn't laughing. I was like dead serious. I'm like, I'm not stopping unless I die. That's the only thing that gets me to stop right here. I, I can't, I can't be responsible for you. you know? So that's great. That's great. Um, so you said uh, coming up next not for you running wise, but you are the the co race director with our yeah, friend I'm, Charlie Gadol for Manchu's Revenge. I'm running it too. <laughs> are you really? Yeah, yeah. So nice. Yeah, so Charlie Gadol and I have uh, have been uh, well, we we have been kind of co- we've been co directing the Cat's Tail Trail Marathon for the last three years in October. 
uh, Manitou's Revenge, which is always the the Saturday closest to the summer solstice. Uh, this will be year six for Manitou, mm-hmm. and it's Charlie's Charlie's baby. Yep, Charlie's baby. Um, but from from day one, from the very first meeting that he had seven and a half years ago mm-hmm. where he originally wanted to do a hundred miler in the Catskills. Yeah, I remember him saying, yeah. what do you think if we did a hundred miler with yeah. a 48 hour time limit? Yeah. And I said, I think you'd get three people. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'd get more than that, but you probably wouldn't get more than more finishers than three. <laughs> right. Exactly. But I was, you know, I was in on that very first meeting. Yeah. And so I've, I've helped out with that yep. for all the years and I've run it four times. Uh, I've had pretty, pretty good success that race. I love it. It's definitely the favorite thing that I've probably ever run. Right. Um, it's just everything. It's the right distance for me and it's the right terrain for me. There's barely any runnable terrain, which is awesome. And a ton <laughs> of climbing, like 17,000 feet of vert. 17,054 miles. Yeah. 54 yeah, miles. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so, you know, Charlie and I are now co-directors of the two. We've incorporated our races into uh, a company called WTF racing, which I think is pretty appropriate, uh, for, uh, you know, for the Catskills, because everyone, everyone is running, they're they're asking, "Where's the finish?" <laughs> right, that's obviously what it stands for, right? That was well that's done. That's what I thought. Well done. Um, so uh, yeah, so this will be my fifth year uh, doing Manitou, and uh, you know, we do we do shirts for five year finishers, we mm-hmm. do special Patagonia shirts. So I'm gonna do that and get it, and this that'll be it. I won't be able to to run it again. I'm gonna take on some real race director duties, you know. So this year I'm just running around doing a lot of the the course marking and just the prep uh, work a lot of that a lot of that footwork ahead of time, so right. that on race day I can run and. I mean, that's you know. become you know for idiots like yourself who enjoy <laughs> this sort of ridiculousness that has become uh, a touchstone on these coats for yeah. sure, for sure, and cat's tail as well in the fall, yeah. uh, not. I don't know if the West Coasters know about Cat's Tail yet uh, as a shorter race, but both, I mean, and both similar terrain and, and a lot of the same peaks that we've yeah. been talking about tonight. Um, yeah. Well, right. Pete, Peter Backwin came out last year to run Cat's Tail. Peter Did he? Backwin of FKT Oh, fame. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, he was, uh, it was weird. I got an email from him um, just saying, hey, I'm out visiting my dad in New York uh, and I came across your race. Oh, wow. And I was like, yeah, man. You're, he's like, I, I don't really race anymore. I'm like, yeah, you're qualified. You're, you're fine. <laughs> Come run. And uh, yeah, I, I I started kind of in the back of the pack as the as the running RD, right? And uh, kind of spent some time with people in the in the the, the waves as I passed them. And right. About five miles in, I, I caught up with Peter and uh, and Amber Romando from Arizona, uh-huh. who had come out with her husband Evan. Uh, Amber just uh, set the the course record at uh, what did she just run? I don't know. There was something uh, out west in Arizona. Is there a hundred k out there? It just happened last weekend. There's 150k. I don't know. Uh, I forget what it was. Well, anyway, she set the course record on that. She's really fast. But I ran to the two of them. Yeah. Uh, coming off Panther. Yeah. And uh, Peter and I ran the rest of the race together. So really? I, so I spent a good 10 miles. Just uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I caught him at 10 mile 10. So I spent 15 miles uh, running with him. Right. Just chatting everything. And what did, What did he have to say about it? Oh, he loved it. Yeah. He absolutely loved it. He just thought it was like super beautiful and really technical and he just loved the the scrambling yeah. nature because he does a lot of uh, kind of mountaineering stuff, um, a lot of like fast right. alpine, easy climbing in sneakers kind of thing. Right, right. He does a lot of the flat iron right. soloing and, and approach shoes and he yeah. kind of digs that combo sport. It's something that you touched on before and it's getting it's getting super late, so yeah. I don't want to keep you <laughs> no too worries. much longer. But um you said like the Catskills aren't romantic, which 
it's funny that you said that because when I was thinking about, you know, earlier tonight, you coming over and, and what we were going to talk about. You've been to, like you said, you've been in the Alps, you've been in the San Juans, you've spent time in the Whites and the Dax yeah. and everything else. And I think they all have a certain undeniable appeal. The The time that I've spent in the Cats, and the Cats are not my bag for sure. As mm-hmm. somebody who grew up as a runner before he was a hiker, um, you know, the Cats, they're, they're, it's just a different beast. But there's something... I don't even know what the word is, almost mystical about being there. I mean, it's just a very old, like geologically old. Yeah. And just it's even from, it's different even from being in the Adirondacks, I feel like, or being in the Shenandoahs or the Smokies or some of the other, um, what are probably mm-hmm. geologically related ranges mm-hmm. where, I mean, I've spent time running in the Smokies or, and and uh, a little bit in the Whites and, and it, it's different. It's, there's something different about it yeah well they're not traditional mountains they're they're not even classified as mountains geologically they're an eroded plateau oh okay. so they're 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 the easternmost arm of the uh the appalachian plateau and basically it got when uh when africa slammed into north america 300 million years ago it kind of curled up that that edge of those 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 rocks which were i think roughly like 80 million years old at that point point. Huh. and uh so we're at the the kind of like curled up edge uh, which then has been, you know, weathered eroded and eroded for down. the past, you know, a couple hundred million years. Between most that and the glaciers, glaciers, just littered with boulders and yeah. all kinds yeah, of... Yeah, very round, flat tops, uh, very steep slopes, mm-hmm. very deep, really steep notches, yep. dark, uh, dark, dark, the, the, the yeah. source of uh, of legends and, and, and fears in, in older civilizations that lived here. Right. You know, right. the wall of Manitou is this... The legend of the imposing, um, the the Windigo, you know, creature, right? Which is like the protector of the mountains. You right. know, go in there because it's like all dark and, and evil. And the right. Catskills are a very kind of dark, mystical place. It's it's a lot of old growth. It's very dense, like yeah. you said. And right, even on a even on a bright sunny day, it is it's dark underneath. Yeah. And even like you say, it's not like you pop out on the top and you have this three hundred and sixty degree view. You work your ass off and you get up to the peak. And you have a window through the trees where you can see yeah. down to the valley, and that's pretty much it. And you, yeah, and there's there's two high peaks where you get a 360 degree view of the two fire towers, and that's it. That's it. Yep, yep. Um, before we let you go, Mike, we ask everybody wh- who comes on the show to give us their desert island picks. Uh-huh. You're going to a desert island for a year. All right. You have to bring one of each of the following. All yeah. right. You got to bring one book, one meal, one. Oh, now I forget what they are. This is a, it's terrible. <laughs> one, <laughs> you bring in one book, one meal, one album, and one beer. Okay. I'm not much of a reader. Um, Says the teacher. Let's see. Yeah, you know, I, I got burned out. I used to read a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I don't know. That's going to be a tough one. Um, the game's Climbers Play. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a book about... Uh, it's more of a rock climbing thing, uh-huh. uh, but it's it's I think it's a British author, and it's just got it's a collection of collection of stories. I love stuff from, like from that. A lot of different like people, Iger dreams or stuff like that. It's great. Yeah, really cool. Okay. Um, one, meal. One meal. Oh my god, I go with like you know rice and bean tacos. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I got I got to go with tacos. I love Mexican food. That's good. I'm my birthday's tomorrow. I'm having Mexican food for dinner. Where are you going? Uh, Armadillo in Kingston. Oh, I love that place. Yeah, that's yeah, great. So, that place is great. I had tacos for dinner tonight, too. I'm, I'm good. Good. <laughs> good margaritas there, too. That place is good. 
Yeah. Uh, one album. Uh, uh, Atmosphere, Southsiders. Okay. Never yeah. heard of it. Atmosphere's a duo, hip hop duo from uh, Minneapolis. Okay. And uh, just really, really mellow, smooth hip hop. Oh, nice. Strong, strong lyrics. Good, good grooving, grooving tracks. Right. So, yeah, check that out. Really good. Earlier stuff is more of like a, almost like a punk rock hip hop, and they've kind oh. of evolved into uh, real, like atmospheric stuff. Oh, that sounds really cool. Is very appropriate. Okay. So one beer. Man, that's 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 a different question. Two years ago, four years ago, six years ago. Sure, and some people have taken it in different yeah. ways. Like they've said, oh, it, you know, it would be a stout, except if it's going to be a desert island, I don't want a stout. Right, you know, right. like my friend Joe, who was on last week. He said, it's not my favorite beer, but if I'm going to be on a desert island, I'd want a uh, hell or high watermelon. I'm like, okay, mm, that's good. It's a good summer beer. Bad, yeah. yeah. I, I, I got to go with one of these uh, these New England IPAs. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll, I'll give a shout out to, to Westkill Brewing. Nice. Up in Spruceton Road. All right. Um, and they're, uh, yeah, their um, Moon Farmer IPA is, uh, it's it's pretty top notch. I, I dig them. They're real, real small little farm brewery. and Nice. Um, yeah, they're, they're cool and, uh, nice people too. Uh, Charlie and I are trying to put together, speaking of the Barkley, uh, a Barkley style, mm-hmm. uh, hundred miler in the Catskills, which would be a, a four loop, 25 mile course, which, uh, will be starting and ending at the brewery. Uh, they're giving us their, they've, they've got like a, I don't know, 150, 200 acres, something like that. And they're letting us use their land to get up to the state land. Oh, wow. To do this loop. And we're just waiting on permits at this point. Oh, great. Uh, but that 25 miles is, uh, eight miles on trail. <laughs> <laughs> 17 miles off trail and it's uh times four I, I did one loop with scott gregor in about 10 hours and we want to give people a 12-hour cutoff for each loop oh my god so basically in the in the vein of the barkley no age. well if it's and, only four laps you could do yeah. i mean you give them if you're gonna give them 60 hours you give 48 them 50, hours 48 12, 12 hours. hours a loop yeah yeah we're not looking for finishers that's okay, okay. fair enough fair that's enough. okay we're looking for a struggle and people to <laughs> just people to find, drink beer find basically. their inner crazy <laughs> So, Mike, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, this this was Appreciate really great. It. I think people are going to be psyched to hear about this. And, you know, congratulations. And I think the word is starting to spread. Um, you mentioned Jamil had shouted you out, which was yeah. really cool to see. And I think uh, this is going to gather some momentum, yeah, especially I, when awards time comes around. Yeah. If, if Peter's been out here and, and knows kind of what this entailed, sure. I think, you, you know... I, I told him about this when I was running them too. Yeah, kind of give him give him a heads up. And I finished Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning. I had a personal email from him congratulating me. I'm like, how the hell did you hear about this in Colorado? I'm telling you, man, word He's spreads. Like, internet word spreads fast. Nothing secret on the internet. But it, and it was the word of mouth around here even was amazing. Yeah. So I've been recognized on the trail a few times. Have you right? really since, since then, then? Yeah, I was out on uh, on Saturday and I got, hey Mike. I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> That's cool. Hey. <laughs> That's great. So, that, like I said, Catskill celebrity. A little overwhelming, but uh, it's it's interesting. It's that's neat. fantastic. Well, good luck so, with Manitou's this weekend. This will get posted you. up after that because um, I'm going to be out west myself for yeah, Western sure. States. So I can't wait for that. Excellent. To everybody else out there, thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time in the Pain Cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seen too much 
Still young, and I was still.